Hi there, friend. My name is John Werner. I used to be a part of the largest cult in the United States. After studying the Bible, Christian history, and ministry, I set my sights on confronting the problematic nature of white evangelicalism in the United States. In 2019, I published my first book as a first step in addressing the subtle issues of this complex system. This podcast will continue that work under the same title. Welcome to The Cult of Christianity. Homeschooling is not actually a real word, but rather slang for the concept of home education. And home education is the education of children uh, being educated at home. Imagine that. Typically by parents or sometimes tutors. And rather than in the formal institutional type settings, such as uh, public or private school. However, just as there are many different methods of education within public and private schools, it is not different at all in home ed- in a in a home education scenario. So from uh, you know some people strictly read books, others use more like hands on kind of classroom style type teaching. Um, some people are unschooled, which means there is no curriculum. There's you know, all these different ways of home education. And this diversity does make it difficult to analyze the psychosocial impacts of home education. But anecdotally, I have often assumed homeschooling to be problematic, but have struggled to point my finger on why. And that's why I invited Chris onto the show to figure it all out. How are you doing, Chris? Um, fantastic. How are you doing, John? Oh, you know, I hate myself. No, I'm doing absolutely. There it is. I, I'm, I'm doing okay. No, I, uh, I, I've been, I've been actually doing pretty good. We usually, me and Chris like catch up uh, on the day that we're recording this, and we didn't really. So now I'm like, oh, I want to tell you all these things, but we're gonna stay focused on the task at hand. Um, first off, Chris, uh, you and I were both homeschooled, but how long were you homeschooled? Um, I was homeschooled from kindergarten through 10th grade. And then my junior and senior years of high school, I attended a local community college doing um, a like running start program where you could achieve uh, high school and college credit at the same time. So other than those two years, my entire childhood was uh, homeschooling. Gotcha. What was your uh, curriculum like? Um, a little bit of a hodgepodge. It kind of transitioned over the years. Um, and then um, as I got older, we incorporated a lot more um, outside different materials through the um, homeschooling co-op that we were a part of. Um, so we used a curriculum called Abeka when I was younger. Um, oh, that no. Was a, you were a victim of Abeka. You're familiar. You're familiar. <laughs> Abeka produced by uh, Pensacola Christian College. Um, which if you know anything about Pensacola Christian College, that can tell you a lot. Um, I, uh, the main, the main, um, curriculum we used for like to kind of build a structure and, and create our foundation as far as our schooling went was, uh, called sunlight curriculum, uh, which was more of a literature based, um, curriculum. And that actually was really you know, there, there were issues for sure. And there's aspects of it that may have been problematic, but I actually really did appreciate it. It was great for me, um, being really into reading, um, and story. It was very interesting and a great way for me to engage with a lot of interesting topics. Um, and then we, we incorporated, um, yeah, after we stopped using the Abeka 
uh, curriculums. We, we brought in a couple of other different ones um, that we like discovered through other homeschooling families. So like our math was one specific thing, our, our, you know, English and all that stuff was coming through the sunlight curriculum. And then um, starting in middle school, mainly that's when like my quote unquote, like real classes, my real like uh, subjects were starting to be taught by other homeschooling moms rather than my own. Um, so then we were, it, it, it was this much more um, almost college style uh, thing where we would pick out a class that was needed for, um, at least in Washington, it was needed for um, your like high school diploma. Um, and um, yeah, you'd be, you'd be taught along with a handful of other students by, uh, by a teacher who is just a, a different homeschooled mom who was maybe better equipped or more familiar with the topic um, so that you know, my mom, who was not very good at math, wasn't teaching me algebra. Um, and then I was learning Spanish from somebody who like spoke Spanish, things like that. Gotcha. Um, and you kind of were describing it a little bit, but just for the, you know, if the listener does not know um, much about like homeschooling or homeschool culture, mm-hmm. can you can you kind of broadly explain what a co-op is and then maybe talk about yeah. how you how you interacted with a co-op? Yeah. So, so broadly speaking, I mean, as I kind of mentioned the the homeschooling and I, I used the word moms, there were a couple of dads, but it was broadly speaking, just mostly homeschool moms, a couple of stay at home dads. Um, they all worked together. They basically create like a, um, a very loose coalition of, uh, families that act almost like a private school in some ways um and you know for me like we had five different periods each period was an hour long and then like you would have all these different classes you would choose from for each uh each year um and you would uh as as a younger kid it might just be like supplemental things you might take um you know, this little class here or there that was about like, it might've been about a book club or um, we had like the cooking classes and a chess club and things like that. It was much more geared towards like extracurricular um, learning usually um, and um, socialization. And then as you got older, then it became more about the education side of things. Um, Then you have your, your math, your science, your history, your um, literature, all those different kind of language, um, those kinds of things. And, and in, instead of, like I said before, like instead of being taught by one of your parents, um, you would be taught by the parents of other students, other kids who were also homeschooling in your community. Um, they would all work together and it was run, you know, by a, had a, a set, set of bylaws and was run by like a board, um, of like five, um, I think it was five women the whole time I was there who, basically would set some parameters and um, like structure for the whole organization. It was very, for me and a lot of the people I knew, a lot of the homeschoolers I knew, it was central to our um, homeschooling education experience. Um, I know, I know families that did not have any connection with a co-op or anything like that. Um, But for me and most of the peers that I was close to, it was, at least a significant part of their education, if not like the main central focus of it by the time they were teenagers. Awesome. Cool. I want to kind of contrast your story with mine because I think it's rather interesting. Um, yeah. 
so so for me uh growing up yeah when i was really young we just had some basic books uh always had like bible class and the the way it was set up for me was my diploma my high school diploma reads christian liberty academy but christian liberty academy is not a physical place so christian liberty academy which is based in illinois it's almost like distance learning in college where they send you a um, list of books or courses, depending on how you want to look at it, and you go through it and um, pick what you want to study with it that would qualify for the credit, so to speak, right? So for yeah. me, it was like a list, and my parents were great. My dad did most of the uh, supervising at home. Some of it was teaching, but a lot of it was supervising. Um and so, you know, I would basically pick my curriculum off of this list. Um, but since it was Christian Liberty Academy, there was obviously a Bible category. Um, so there was Bible, you know, math, English, yada, yada, the rest of it. So I'm one of the few cases around me that didn't go to co-ops. A lot of my friends who were homeschooled did go to co-ops. And I think what you were describing, especially with like the fact that there were bylaws and stuff is pretty typical. There's usually like a institutional structure to it. Um, for me, when I got to high school, all that happened was basically I had more selection about what I was able to study in any given field. Um, the philosophy being that if I'm part of choosing my education, I'm going to learn more, which I think was absolutely true. Here's the tricky part. Um, algebra is kind of hard to learn on your own. So uh, what I did for algebra was um, there were like CDs. Um, to, I feel like I'm an old man now. Um, there were CDs <laughs> that you'd put in your desktop computer, uh, and, uh, you know, wait for it to buffer. Um, and then you would, uh, watch and basically it was just like, um, someone with basically like a digital chalkboard who taught me algebra, just like one guy, um, who like went through, uh, Sa Saxon algebra with me. Um, oh, was Saxon? yeah. And yeah, so, I did that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you and yeah. I probably have a few crossovers, too. You mentioned Abeka. So thankfully, the only Abeka I ever did was, like, some grammar books when I was younger. So, like, there wasn't too much indoctrination in those. Uh, there was some, <laughs> but not too much. Um, but, yeah, a lot of my curriculum was either Christian Liberty Press, which is, like, basically this whole organization that, you know, encourages Christian homeschooling. Um but yeah, so my daily schedule looked very different than I think a lot of people's. Um, mine, I kind of woke up whenever I wanted to. I did what I needed to do that day, you know, in each workbook. And then if there was anything else to do, I really just Googled stuff. I mean, like <laughs> straight up, um, especially as I got older, obviously, and was using a computer more. Uh, a lot of times, if there were like questions in the workbook, instead of just going back and doing the work, I would Google it. Now, some people might say, oh, that's cheating or taking a shortcut. But it's really not because I learned the information just as well as anyone else would. Um, at least that's my perception. But who knows? Anyways, that's kind of my growing up homeschooled. So just to get a little more specific, how much to your recollection, maybe through the years, um, how much did you write versus read? You know, how much math do you feel like you did? And what was your kind of daily schedule like or how and how did that daily schedule maybe change as you got older? Hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> writing versus reading. There was a ton of reading because I was really into reading. 
Um, and it was a huge part of the curriculum that we used, like I mentioned before. So, um, I mean, when I was younger, there was, um, a lot of the, uh, reading was like read aloud stuff that my mom would read to all three of us kids. So we were in different age ranges, um, and there were read alouds and then there were more grade specific, um, things they would use to flesh those out. And then as I got older, that part, you know, phased out and it just became reading for myself. So literally there was like a literature, there was, um, history, there was language arts, a lot of that involved just reading, um, writing, uh, as I got older, obviously it became more of a thing. It was not a significant part at the beginning. Um, and I hated it. I would fight constantly, uh, back against writing in any form. I hated handwriting, um, practice when I was really little, I hated, trying to be creative and doing creative writing or any of those kinds of things until I discovered typing. Um, handwriting was just painful for me. I never got, <laughs> I never got a grip uh, on how to hold a pencil. And I always, even to this day, when I have to write a lot, it hurts my hand because I'm not good at it. Um, and I have bad handwriting, uh, which never got better. But typing, once I figured out how to type, uh, opened a whole new world. And I started getting really excited about writing. I liked it a lot. Um, so I think it was probably middle to late middle school that I really started getting excited about that. Um, and using, using a computer for most of my writing and things like that. And then I, I really flourished and like learned a lot more about writing at that point. Um, math was, uh, I hated it always. <laughs> um, I just did not, a huge fan of math. Um, and it took up probably the majority of, or what felt like the majority of my time because I hated it so much and I didn't have the best resources for it. Um, it, it became kind of this thing that would consume my time. Um, and I would spend way more time on it than was scheduled or expected or whatever. Um, but yeah, my daily schedule, that that evolved quite a bit over the years. When I was little, I mean, it was pretty dang structured. My mom was very much our teacher. I mean, she had a degree in early childhood education. So I think she was really excited about it. And it was exactly what she had like learned about years before in college. Um, and then as we got older, you know, I started to have to do more of it all on my own. Um, we became more, each child had more specialized things, the older they got, the more the grades diverged, whatever. Um, so it started basically, I mean, I felt like we were usually done with school by like lunchtime, 1230, 11 o'clock. Um, and then the rest of the day was just kind of like, I could just do what I want, play outside, read books, um, play games, whatever. And, uh, as I got older, obviously my, my day started filling up, I would have more to do. Um, and then once I was in I mean, it probably started in middle school, really, like eighth grade at least. But by the time I was in high school, especially, I was responsible for my own schedule. I had my all these different things I needed to do, um, different classes, um, and it really was homework. Um, because of how Central Co-op became, I had class once a week. Um, it became the majority of my schooling was homework, um, and not just in the like sarcastic way you could say, well, I'll schooling is homeschool or homework when you're homeschooling. Um, it became, it became like you would go to a class, you'd have an hour, you'd talk about whatever. And then you had this huge stack of homework that you would take home and you'd have to work on. Um, which 
meant that I learned procrastination. Um, so my schedule became whatever I wanted it um, to be, which was usually um, reading and then all the things I hated on Sunday night right before it was due. Um, so that was a real blast. Um, I did have some all-nighters when I was in high school because of that. I had a lot of what a lot of freshmen and sophomores experience in college, I experienced as a freshman and sophomore in high school. Um, so that was fun. Um, but yeah, by the, the flexibility side of things meant that some days I might do a lot of school and other days I would do practically none. Um, it just depended on what the family schedule looked like, what my personal schedule looked like and what I wanted to do to some extent, the more freedom I got as I got older. Yeah. All of that sounds fairly, especially once you start getting in the later years, sounds somewhat comparable to me as well. Um, one of the things just quickly, you mentioned like spending all that time on math. I think I've told you this before. My biggest problem with math is I could tell people the answer, but I couldn't tell them how I got it. Um, and yeah. so like I would get very frustrated because I could solve something, especially if it was a pretty simple, you know, equation. And then they'd like be like, show your work. And I'm like, I can't. And they're like, well, my dad would be like, why can't you show your work on this? I'm like, I don't know. I got there. It, it, it was one of those weird things where like I could almost get the it was like my brain catching up with itself or something like I was try I could get yeah. the concept when I learned it, but I couldn't tell you the concept or something. Um, So I hated math, especially when I would like send my tests in because that was the other part of the curriculum I used. So my dad didn't actually grade anything. It got sent to the place We like, you know, he would mail it back and they would give the grades. Um, yeah, which is good. You know, it eliminates the like parent bias or whatever. Um, and I mean, he would give me grade on like practice tests or whatever, but on the things that counted, uh, he did not grade it. Um, and then the, yeah, talking about just, so yeah, you can learn procrastination. You can have those days where you like do nothing and those days where you do everything. My procrastination looked like, um, having to have a few extensions through the summer, never because I like didn't do anything just because I had a few things I didn't do um because i didn't want to do it um <laughs> and that's how i how, that's how john works he doesn't want to do something he just doesn't um <laughs> but eventually i obviously graduated and it's all good but um yeah i uh i feel like it was like what even though i learned um procrastination i felt like i also learned responsibility in some ways i never had an all-nighter that kind of blows my mind um I definitely like I was done by 1 p.m. most days, uh, whether I was done or not. As, as I got older, I was like, it's one. I'm done. Uh, did I wake <laughs> up at 10? Yes, but I don't care. I'm done. Um, but I don't feel like uh, that made me suffer too much. But I want to get into the academic side of this discussion a little bit more later. The main concern that I normally hear in regard to like homeschooling is not an academic concern. It's that children will not properly develop socially due to a, a lack of interaction with same age peers. Um, but what's funny is, uh, you know, I did a project on homeschooling when I was in college and uh, some of the stuff I learned uh, follows when when homeschooled children are evaluated for social interaction, self-concept, self-esteem and leadership skills. They typically score above the norm. Um and, uh, you know, it's not typically these students kind of the image of them huddled over worksheets <laughs> and textbooks over the kitchen table. Like, sure, that's part of it. But they're also taking part in activities outside the home, you know, whether it be co-ops or homeschool groups or whatever. They take field trips. They join church youth groups. They play on sports teams. Um, they do volunteer work. Some of them have jobs. 
And uh, homeschoolers themselves tend to agree that home education has brought their family members uh, closer. Um, my question for you in light of this data is, do you think there's like a delayed sense of rebellion or even a pursuit of identity in homeschoolers? Hmm. Yes. Um, sometimes at least. Um, I've, I would say there's a couple weird things about the socialization thing and the data. Um, when I was researching this, um, just kind of trying to brush up on some things cause it's, you know, it's been a while now. Um, I, uh, I kept finding, uh, reports and surveys talking about socialization, um, the majority of which were published by organizations in support of homeschooling. So that kind of tweaks the data a little bit. And I had a harder time knowing how accurate and well performed those studies were. That said, like, I also know, like, there are also a good handful of quote unquote, well-adjusted homeschoolers. Um, and, um, you to survive kind of have to learn some aspects of like social skills and, you know, the, 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 the other thing talking about self-concept and self-esteem, um, I kind of wonder if there's like a self-selection thing going on there too. Um, it doesn't really surprise me a ton that that's the case because uh, on average, I think it's pretty safe to say that most homeschooling families uh, come from, well, they're families that are much, much more likely to be intact nuclear families than you would find um, at the average public or even private school. Um, And um, you're also going to find... uh, parents who are very invested in their children and their children's education, um, who I, I think you could argue if they were um, attending a public or even a private school, the parents would probably be still just as invested in their children's um, learning, education, well-being, um, and that would still probably impact that child's success and that child's uh, self-esteem, self-concept, um, ability to engage with the world, those kinds of things. I think there's a part of that is a family dynamic thing. Part of it's the actual experience that they have based on their education style. But the family dynamic thing, I think is actually really important to keep in mind uh, during these conversations, just because I think that your chances, your chances of uh, finding a public schooled, uh, a child in a public school environment who has the same, um, average, uh, family structure as someone in a homeschooling environment are pretty low. Your, your chances of having the same are, are unlikely because, um, on average, the resources needed to homeschool your children are only available to certain types of people. Um, so there's that side of things. Now, that, that said, your actual question was about um, kind of a delayed sense of identity and maybe some rebellion. Um, and I have seen that. Um, I, I think it it obviously varies dramatically. But on an anecdotal level, I've seen it happen many, many times that uh, you'll have kids raised in a fairly um, uniform environment where they're taught a certain way of looking at the world and um, raised to believe certain things um, 
and through homeschooling, they aren't really exposed to much outside of that, except through carefully controlled exposure. And so once they're on their own and they're out in the world and able to kind of make their own decisions, you see some um, homeschooled alumni really go quote unquote off the deep end. You'll see you'll see people who get really into uh, drugs and alcohol or you'll see kids just like decide that they're going to like throw out everything that they were taught as a kid about um you know, religion or um, faith, and they they decide that all of it is uh, BS, and they don't want to hold to any of that anymore. So there were there were plenty of examples of that. Um, sometimes they were used as a warning for me as a kid, like, look at you know, this is what happens. You know, sometimes you got to watch out for this. You don't want to be like one of these guys. Um, but yeah, it, I I would see that fairly frequently, and I I guess in some ways I experienced it myself. It took years. There was a huge delay before I started rejecting a lot of the things that I was taught and believed, um, and started to maybe question, um, a large portion of what I was taught or how I was um, educated or brought up. You know, a, a lot of those things. It took me a long time before I started really kind of digging into that and picking it apart. Um, so I guess to answer your question, yes. Um, and it depends <laughs> on, um, a lot of factors. Sure. There was a lot of good stuff you said in there. One of the first things I do want to address about, um, how a lot of studies are clearly done by like pro homeschooling groups. That's totally a problem, especially if you like only do like, you know, cursory work, like your first few pages of Google or whatever, <laughs> like that's going to be a lot of what you're looking at. Um, I will say where it gets interesting is if you look um, from different educators' perspectives. So there's people who have like, you know, taught in public school versus like homeschooling their kids. Um, there's people who have, you know, taught in a co-op, taught in private, taught in public. They're very, it's very interesting to hear what they have to say, at least anecdotally. Um, but yeah, some of the surveys can seem a little bit like um, geared. And one of the funniest things, kind of self-fulfilling pro self-fulfilling prophecies about these studies is uh, homeschoolers are good at taking tests. So when they're, yep. giving, when they're given a survey, they usually know the answer that's being looked for. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's just kind of a funny little uh, side note. But yeah, I definitely think there is kind of a delayed sense of rebellion and maybe a delayed sense of pursuit of identity, even if it happens younger. I mean, because your family is more intertwined in your life, you were kind of saying like, especially if it's like a typical nuclear family setup um, in a homeschool environment, like when they're that intertwined with your education, like it almost feels like your whole world is your family, even if you're not like the most buddy buddy with your family or whatever. Still, you're growing up with this like cognitive understanding that light of of the world being what your family thinks and not so Absolutely. much um any outsider perspective so i think that does do um some damage there in the delaying um i will say that like the few you know the studies that i've looked at some more valid than others for sure but uh when i've looked at them um you know it seems like there's significant mental health benefits and few consequences of home education um and one of the things i was thinking about is like how you know, social media, not alone, but it's it's definitely an integral part of this world that we're creating where the definition of friend is being redefined and kind of separate from the real world. Like, um, 
and all the negative psychosocial effects and other factors are are not necessarily on any particular educational system um socially in my opinion like uh it doesn't seem to be directly causing a harmful environment but but that might be the actual problem because um if most home education is done badly which is hard to measure then that's a problem but it's hard to measure and whereas public and private there's certain things set in place some some good things some bad things set in place (laughs) to measure how good that education is done that's a little harder to do uh on a home education level and perhaps that is why many have suspicion of you know the method of home education as a whole and they don't uh, necessarily take things case by case but what do you think um do you think it's more common to be socialized improperly at home than um public and private schooling Oh man, the socialization thing is so weird for me. Um, partly because I have like two very conflicting feelings. Um, there's the feeling I had as a kid, which was very proud and resentful. Um, that I hated when anyone would bring it up, um, kid or adult. It always made me angry. I had all the answers and defenses, and all these examples I could point to, like oh, all the homeschoolers I know are super normal. Um, things I would say really defensively, um, you know, we're, we're perfectly capable of being social and actually we're smarter, you know, we're whatever. There was this really like us versus them attitude that I had. And so I would compare myself, um, to, to public schoolers. And I always was, had the superior mindset. Um, and there's still a little bit of that when people talk about homeschoolers and homeschooling, I, I, I know that there's a lot of, um, misconceptions and assumptions that people will make. Um, that said, I also, on the other hand, with some, some hindsight also realized that when I was in puberty and trying to figure out how to make friends, I had no idea. Um, and that is something that varies dramatically. It's going to be very specific to individual families or people within individual families. Um, but for me, homeschooling didn't equip me to learn how to interact with new or different people. Um, I had a very isolated social environment. I was exposed to the same kinds of people and the same people usually most of the time. And so uh, getting to know new people and learning how to make friends um, was not something that I really got. Um, as well as I wish I had. Now, again, I can't know what I would have been like in public school. I probably would have been an odd one out and a weirdo then too. So there's, you know, again, you can't know without like having access to an alternate alternate universe. You can't know and compare directly. Um, but I, I, on one hand, know that my own social awkwardness and uh, difficulties and insecurities, a lot of which are based around my social exposure as a kid, there's, I have that on one hand, and then I also just have a lot of anecdotal, <laughs> I got a lot of anecdotal um, evidence as well of, of, of students, homeschool students who were very much not uh, socially uh, or exposed to society in a way that was constructive or helpful to them, I guess. I I knew a lot of different homeschool families who usually were outside of our homeschool co-op, but sometimes a part of it, um, who were just bizarre. 
very odd. And again, that's coming from within the little tiny homeschool subculture um, that was already weird um, from an outsider's perspective. We were like, what the heck? Like, these are weird, strange, odd people saying weird, strange, odd things. Um, you'd, you'd have people who just had no idea how to have a conversation, uh, people who would not stop talking, um, who were incapable of listening. They only would like just talk at you. Um, all these different kinds of things. And it was, it was something that you would see not just in like one kid who was a little odd or, or whatever, but it would be like a whole family of kids who had similar, um, characteristics. Um, and, uh, that, that side of things, like I, I, whenever I think of homeschooling, I have immediately this like combined thought of like these so-called well-adjusted, like smart, really engaged, um, socially engaged students and then these others who were socially isolated really bad at communicating with different people and um continued to be outsiders and uh viewed as weird or odd into their adulthood um and i know that i also engaged with people like that who were you know, college students who had graduated, um, and, and had already, they, they'd been homeschooled their whole lives. And when we were in college, I, I remember sometimes talking to people who were at our Bible college who, who were still kind of like this. And it was, it always threw me off. It always was just really uh, weird. And I remember as a kid being kind of, um, uncomfortable and afraid of them, not just because they were odd or different, but because I was afraid of being like them. And I was terrified that I was going to be perceived as being like them um, to uh, those who were not homeschooled. So when I was in, whenever I was in a public school uh, dominant cultural groups, I guess. So, I mean, maybe like even my youth group um, at my church, there weren't a lot of homeschoolers at the church I attended um, or later on when I was older. Um, and I was in different kinds of social groups. I was constantly, constantly afraid of looking like one of these really weird homeschool kids um, to all these so-called normal kids, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that completely really kind of touches on what you were looking for there. But those are some of the thoughts that come to mind for me. I'm not looking for anything, Chris. I'm just, I'm just here. Are you okay? Do you feel safe? Um, no, 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 I don't. <laughs> no, I thought you did well. So you were, you're kind of talking about like, um, yeah, this image in your head. One of the things you said more than once, and I actually like thought that was such a good, simple way of putting it, which is weird and odd. Um, so like, there's always going to be a weird or odd kid in a public school or a private school, right? And like, there's going to sure. be out outliers or whatever. What's weird about homeschooling is it almost feels like built in, like, um, and like we're supposed to treat the weird ones as normal. Which, in some ways, it's like, oh, that's kind of progressive. Oh, that's kind of cool yeah. to like be inclusive of people who talk and act different from you. Um, perhaps the scary thing, though, and we're going to talk more about this later. Um, just like the abuse that can happen in homeschooling, but like. I think what's what's really tricky about it is, yeah, if you grow up with your only authority figure being like your dad or mom, and then there's all these other authorities in life that we have to interact with, you know, negatively or positively. But if your only 
um, institutionalized uh, overseer <laughs> is your family, then you it's, you know, uh, Tim Hawkins used to have a joke. Um, he'd be like, are there any homeschoolers out there in the audience at his comedy shows? And then he'd go, what's it like to be outside? And like, that is kind of like, <laughs> that is kind of, it's a very funny joke, but like the reason it's funny is because you kind of do see these kids who are always just kind of looking up and looking at trees and looking at clouds and looking at people like, what is this? And that's where it's like, okay, so if you're not developing socially, but you're developing in every other way, you're going to be aware that you're behind. And that awareness yes. of being behind is obviously probably going to contribute to some anxiety, to some narcissism, to some like, you know, other mental health issues. I was going to say something that I, I think maybe really contributed for me was that I was in a state of almost constant culture shock, um, which is a, a way of describing it that I literally have not thought of until just now. Um, but a lot of the like social anxiety and insecurity came you know, I wasn't socially anxious around people who I considered my peers. I wasn't really freaked out to be around other homeschoolers until I was a little older and insecurity had really gone out of control because of being a teenager. Um, but the culture shock side of things, that was just like constant. If I was around people who weren't from my little tiny subculture, I was constantly aware that I had no idea what was going on that I had no idea what people were talking about. I could pick up on the fact that people were referencing things and never know what they were talking about. And I was afraid always to let on that I didn't know because I didn't want to seem like an outsider or a weirdo. But then what happens is you don't actually know how to engage with what people are saying. So then you are an outsider anyway. Um, and yeah, like you said, like that self-awareness side of things, when you're developing you know, at the same pace with everything else, or even faster sometimes with everything else, but socially or even culturally, you're not at the same place, you're going to be hyper aware. And that's its own special kind of torment. Yeah, yeah, I definitely want to get more into this a little later. But I do want to just take some time to focus on the academic side just a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, because there is a common stereotype that like home educated students are academic, like, you know, especially I remember at churches, like people would be like, oh, you're homeschooled, you must, you know, be in 12th grade, and they'd be talking to like a seven year old or whatever. Um, yeah. And that's kind of like the joke, you know, and, and it is true that like homeschooled students uh, fare 15 to 30 percentile points higher <laughs> on standardized achievements tests, which I'm not a big fan of standardized tests, I could do a whole episode on how I think they're terrible but if you're looking for a measure that is a significant um number that they're scoring higher than their peers in public school settings um to be fair that's not compared to private school that's only compared to uh public school but still um scoring a good bit higher on standard achievement tests however um it is true that many students who are homeschooled do actually have trouble gaining entrance into the best colleges and universities um best meaning most highly reputable again I, I it's so hard for me to talk about education without wanting to just deconstruct higher education as a whole um but we'll we won't go as there for we now. should we yeah I'll, I'll i i'll leave some other podcasts to all of that mess um but uh you know the reason for the kids having trouble i would say most of the time is not actually home education's fault and there's been like in the past like 20 years a lot of work done to try to fix this problem to make it a little more fair for home education students who want to like 
go to um, reputable colleges. Yeah. Um, but home education is not fraud. There are laws, at least in the United States, um, in regard to home education. And so it's not like a get out of jail or get out of school free card for students or parents. It does take like hard work, determination, and an incredible amount of um, self-discipline in students, especially if you're homeschooled when you're in high school. Um, yeah. Do you I, I, Just for you personally, do you think home education helped you in any academic sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely did. Um, whether or not it was, you know, miserable, uh, the, the pattern I had in high school of, you know, class on Monday, uh, try to do homework throughout the week and then realize you didn't really manage your time well, and then you do it all the last minute. Um, navigating through that and learning from it, um, was what prepared me then to find, you know, attending that community college in high school. Uh, that was easier for me. Um, community college was an easier time, easier experience than my first two years of high school. Um, which then led to those two things, you know, I went to, uh, to Bible college. Um, I found it way less overwhelming and way less intense than I would have otherwise, because, I had already been doing a lot of this stuff, you know, I'd already been given syllabus or syllabi, um, at the beginning of a school year. Um, I had been, you know, used to receiving school materials and a structured schedule and being like, all right, this is what's going to be due this week or for this class. Um, you know, at this point, this project or paper or whatever will be due and learning how to manage time in order to figure out how to get those things done. Um, homeschooling for me or the way that I was homeschooled really prepared me for that. That said also, I, because I am and was really into reading, even as a little kid, um, my homeschooling experience, um, and the, the, the curriculum I was given as a homeschool kid, it all really worked well for me. Um, I learned a lot and then I continued to learn outside of the uh, prescribed curriculum. I, I would check out books from the library, um, science and history books just for fun. Um, I was a nerd as a little kid and I loved reading for the sake of reading and homeschooling really encouraged and allowed me to explore that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, my, my love of learning, my interest in learning new things, my, um, uh, uh, ability to learn by reading, all of those things were really encouraged and fostered by my homeschooling education experience. Um, so for me, yeah, it, it was, that was definitely helpful. Um, yeah, I would, I would chime in and just say like, yeah, like the reading comprehension, definitely, you know, when you're in an environment where not only do you read for school, but you get to read for fun, you know, um, and it still is fun. It's not like, forced or structured or weird programs i've seen in public schools where it's like read 100 books and you'll get a pizza and i'm like 100 books like what like i'm like part of me is going that's a lot in a summer and part of me is going also i probably had a summer where i read like close to that and no one had to tell me it because just did i it. liked i liked reading you know and it's like it almost it sounds like when an adult says that it sounds like they're just trying to trick you into homework um but uh you know <sighs> 
Yeah. So the reading comprehension, um, you know, one of the things I used to say all the time is like one of the benefits of homeschooling is you learn how to learn, um, which is like a very shorthand, unnuanced thing to say. But what I, I mean by it is truly like, yeah, the time management, the um, the ability to go to a library and like read something more you're curious about. I think curiosity is is fostered pretty well in a home environment because, um, well, one, you're kind of relaxed since you're at home and you're more, I don't know, um, it doesn't feel like you're clocking in at work, right? So like if something comes up in school, like it feels m- more like, okay, well, I, now I'm just thinking about that. I'm not thinking about that because I'm at school. Um, so it almost kind of blurs those lines. I think that can be helpful. However, there's always got to be a negative side, right? So there are many examples (laughs) of kids being educated, um, in the home in order to be told falsehoods, um, such as lost cause propaganda, creationism, and other demonstrably untrue narratives. I know, hot take. Um, but, um, I don't know, are, are the, you know, when this does happen, this might this probably happened in homeschooling a lot more before Google. Um, are are the few instances of these tragedies of, and I don't mean just like little um, influences of some falsehoods. I mean like full on. You know, there's been stories of homeschoolers thinking the South won the war. You know, um, so I'm talking about like <laughs> kind of ex- ex- extreme stuff. Um, and some you know uh, postmoderns might say, well, in some ways it did, but I was just going to make that joke. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I don't know. Are the, are the few instances or, or many, but I think, you know, probably less common rather than more common of, uh, of the tragedy of being really falsely educated on something. So obviously demonstrably false. Is that as harmful now that Google exists? Um, what is, what's your take on that? Um, well, I haven't been a homeschooler for, well over a decade now so um i don't know exactly what it's like now i mean when i was in i mean the entire time i was old enough to use the internet google was a thing um so so for me like i was raised in the you know i i i came to came of age in in a the era of the internet um and I had my exposure to the internet limited until I was a like older teenager. And even then, um, what I was permitted to do, whether I was, you know, I could have probably gotten away with a lot more than I actually tried, but what I was permitted access to was actually pretty limited, um, compared to the average teenager. Um, so for me, like, I can't speak to what it's like as a homeschooled kid now. Um, but even when I was a kid and had full access to the internet, the things that I was taught and encouraged to read and the things that the people around me believed and were taught and encouraged to learn were often very, very out there. Um, strange. Um, there were a lot of, uh, you know, and this is where things really started to intersect with the, the, the church, with the evangelicalism, um, and often the most conservative branches of evangelicalism um, come to light in homeschooled worlds. So there was, I was exposed to all these different ideas and beliefs, um, some of which even as a kid, I was like, that seems weird or wrong, but a lot of which I, I took as normal, or if I wrestled with it, I wrestled with it because I felt like 
I didn't agree with it, but I knew that it had to be true because I was being taught by certain people, like, this is what's true. Um, so, you know, my, there were, I was given a little lost cause stuff, you know, when it was like civil war history and things like that, certainly more than a normal northerner would get, I think. Uh, so that, that is kind of funny. It's almost more amusing to me than anything. I mean, my exposure to, uh, conversations about race and things like that was mediocre. Um, but that's probably true for a lot of Americans, even if they weren't homeschooled. But when it came to more religious subjects, um, I was given full indoctrination. Um, I was through my science history, um, and, uh, in pursuit even of my, you know, whatever was given to me as I pursued my own interests outside of, you know, classwork, when it came to like things like history, uh, science, archeology, span whatever, I was given a lot of information that was just straight up false. Some of it was, um, things I learned later on. Uh, I was told and taught things that were, um, completely fabricated and made up. Um, evidence that was used to try to prove different things that like um, I was told like proved things from the Bible would be uh, completely fabricated. Um, Lots of young earth and creationist stuff. I was very, very into it. Um, Very anti-evolution as a middle schooler and high schooler. Um, That was probably one of the biggest things. I was also exposed to a lot of uh, weird beliefs about gender, uh, and gender roles. I was exposed to, um, ideas that I didn't necessarily prescribe, prescribe to, or my family didn't prescribe to. We knew people who were part of the quiverful movement, um, which is basically, uh, that is like, yeah. If you want to get into, uh, Christians calling other Christians cultist, uh, start looking into some of that. Yeah. I knew I knew many families with more than seven kids, seven, eight, ten, uh, twelve. You know, weren't close friends with most of them, but um, there was an entire part of my social world that was connected with some very, very conservative uh, homeschoolers. That side of that's the that's the side of homeschooling that even um, as a you know as a Christian, I was still calling them a cult. Uh, I would look back at them and be like, Oh my gosh, this was, this was cultish, you know, behavior. They were, they believed all these specific things. Um, but yeah, even in my own literature, even in things I was reading, which again, like my parents weren't reading all of these books before I was, um, they didn't necessarily know the content of everything. So I can't like fault a parent for all of this, but um, I was given, I was given stuff that was not necessarily going all in on something like that, but, but encouraging some of the same kind of ideas, you know, about, um, gender, sex, um, sexuality, all those types of things. Like as I got into high school, you know, and, and of course you mentioned Bible classes, like Bible being a part of your schooling, that was definitely the case for me too. Um, so as far as indoctrination goes, you know, getting a nice healthy dose of indoctrination from a young age. And um, the older you get, the more you're reading, you know, uh, you being Presbyterian, I'm pretty sure you, I'm sure you had a, a great amount of reading um, from like the Westminster catechisms. Um, Ayo, you know, I yeah. had at one point up to like the, I 
think up to like 50 of the first 50 shorter catechism questions memorized. That's not disturbing at all. Yeah, it's kind of wild. It's a normal, normal, well-adjusted childhood <laughs> right there. It's normal. normal. <laughs> yeah, I like how you said healthy dose of indoctrination. I was like, that's the most ironic sentence I think I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Westminster Shorter Catechism, baby. I, I remember reading that for school. Um, and at no point was it, you know, this was Bible. It was just Bible. That was the, the class that it was considered a part of, like, or the subject. Um, so, so you know, as a, as a student, as a kid, you're reading these books and it's not like you're in college being told like, read these different books from different perspectives. Um, that might've been the intention, but that is not how it was communicated to me. So for me, I'm reading these books to learn, not to like, try to like think critically about where they're coming from, but just to learn. So you're reading books and going, wow, this is what this says. And I was like, wow, I had no idea that we were all predestined by God ahead of time to either burn in hell or go to heaven. You're not taught that, like exactly what you're saying. It's not like you're taught that as a theory. You're taught that. And then at the same time, you know, going to science class or picking up your science book that says, hey, gravity and starts describing gravity. And there's no distinction between those two concepts. I literally, my science textbooks were talking about hell and heaven. My bio, my biology textbook talks about sin, talked about sin that I, I don't know if I, I should, I could have summarized literally everything that we've been talking about for the last like 20 minutes. I could have probably just said that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it really does kind of sum it up, doesn't it? Um, and, you know, I just wanted to d- d- kind of wrap this section up and then we're going to take a short break. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of home educated students. Uh, I've probably met more home educated students than many have. Um, and a lot of them hated the the process like they and some might even say they hated their parents or um, hated, you know, certain grades um, when they were going through the process. Um, but almost all of them who graduated told me and that's a key element who graduated. Um, <laughs> they told me that they were glad that they were taught critical thinking. Um, and yeah, there seems to be some sort of higher success rate, whatever that means, among those educated at home than those educated publicly. Um, and there's negative consequences to home education, but they almost seem at first to be short-term problems. Um, whereas if you learn critical thinking skills, that's that's a long-term goal. Um, that's kind of I want to wrap up the academic thing. I'm just more curious. I'm going to throw this question out there and then we'll take a short break. Um Let's say you had limitless time, you had limitless money, you had limitless energy, okay? Would you prefer a child of your own to be publicly, privately, or home education, home educated, or maybe some sort of combination? And of course, I'm not going to hold you to this. I'm just kind of curious what you think about it. Man, right now, I lean pretty, I lean away from homeschooling. I think there's benefits to personalized education. And that's where homeschooling can be really successful. Um, but it requires it requires a full commitment and a lot of resources that um, not everybody has. And like, you know, my wife and I both work full time. I don't think either of us plan on ever not working full time. So neither of us would be able to give our children um, the the attention needed for a good, healthy homeschooling experience. You know, like with unlimited money, you can you can afford a tutor, um, and that could potentially be useful. But a tutor can be useful when you're already attending a school. Um, 
for me, for a lot of, honestly, for more for cultural reasons and social reasons, I would rather my child attend public school um, and then have access to, you know, in, a, in an ideal world, access to uh, tutoring and things like that um, in order to delve deeper. Um, and of course, like that could change depending on how things go in the time between now and any time I might potentially have a kid who's going to school. Schools, public and private schools have, like you mentioned earlier, plenty of their own issues and they can be infuriating and frustrating too. Um, there's a ton of concerns that can come up. So, you know, right now, because I don't have any kids, it's easy for me to just go, I don't know, I don't care. Um, but if I really had to decide right now, I mean, I think that, um, attending a public school is probably the thing that would be the most likely scenario. Um, if I were to have a kid that I was trying to figure out how to educate. Yeah, I feel like I I'd maybe fall pretty similar to you for probably pretty similar reasons. But just just clarifying, is it is your reluctant? You said cultural is a big reason because what you and I I know would agree on is personalized education. That's a great way to put it. Is like you know paying attention to what the child needs educational needs are. Um, I'm sure you and I are big on that. Um, mm-hmm. But we also there is something almost cultural you miss out on. Um, if you don't go to a school, a physical building, um, and, but yeah, so maybe just to press you a little harder. So we're talking unlimited money. Um, so yeah, maybe a tutor, are you still leaning more public than private? Are you going to be one of those parents yes. whose kids in an expensive private school or, no. <laughs> or what, what you think in there? No, I, um, this is again, purely anecdotal, but I don't know a single, I didn't, as a, as a teenager, you know, as I was getting to know more people through like, you know, um, youth group and things like that. And then even in college, I don't really know anybody who attended private schools who liked or had a positive experience. Private school, um, I have a really negative association with private school. Um, and, uh, you know, even my brother attended at like a private Christian school when he was in elementary school for a while. And I just remember just not liking it at all whenever we were participating with any of it. Um, so for me, that one's just kind of like, no, um, I'd rather, I'd rather my kid attend a public school and then, um, have access to, uh, you know, additional resources as needed, um, in a, in a perfect ideal world with unlimited money and I can do whatever I want. Um, my kid gets to go to school, um, gets to have a public school education and, um, grow up alongside their peers, but also has access to learning, um, additional or, or have assistance in learning, um, in any areas that maybe they struggle more. Absolutely. All the more reason we need to work on public schools (laughs) and make them, uh, you know, um, more robust and also have more access like you're talking about uh we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back and actually talk about um christianity so that'll be great in a world full of toxic christianity one man has elected to change everything what's his name no what's his name (laughs) oh it's me Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm John Verner, son of Timothy Verner. <laughs> That's my dad's real name. God help the poor guy. <laughs> I'm just out here trying to tell people Christianity's a cult. 
Yeah, he is. And he's even written a whole freaking book about it. And now, you can read all about his opinions in The Cult of Christianity by John Werner. Yeah, you should go buy my book, guys. It helps me buy Taco Bell. If the most common, around 36% of students, reason that uh, parents give as the most important reason to home educate was a desire to provide religious or moral instruction, uh, then wouldn't there be some sort of suppression of feminism? Well, Christian women that were homeschooled are often stereotyped as barefoot pregnant and in the kitchen kind of uh, women, but that's not necessarily what the data shows. Adolescent girls um, constitute a population historically at risk for falling short of their full potential as found in a study um, by Harvard. But home-educated girls seem to find their voices and their identity. Um, In uh, interviews with teenage girls, it is found that um, when they're home-educated, they actually feel empowered and they trust themselves and retain their self-confidence as they become adults. Um, This is typically attributed... um, you know, the, the positive trend of women finding confidence is attributed to uh, the great difference between homeschooling and traditional schooling um, with regard to how relationships, roles, and expected behaviors go. However, there are certainly darker anecdotes. In a 2014 study of child torture, uh, Barbara Knox, a pediatrician at the University of Wisconsin, found that 47% of school-age victims had been withdrawn um, from school for homeschooling, an additional 29% had never been enrolled in any kind of traditional school. Uh, also, many horrible things have been connected to Bill Gothard and other religious communities. Um, there was an anonymous girl who escaped from her home, and she was uh, in a, interviewed by the BBC, and she said, My parents had heard about Bill Gothard, founder of the Institute of Basic Life Principles, abbreviated IBLP, who was a really big deal in Oregon. They attended his seminars and embraced the IBLP homeschooling curriculum wholeheartedly. There was a lot of heavy-handed smacking from our parents. Um, To disobey them was to disobey God. The system was especially awful for the little ones. At Bill Gothard's uh, seminars, he used to talk about breaking their will. They were quite abusive, but we knew other families who had it worse than us. When I was little, we lived in a mobile home. It was really inadequate. There were four of five or five of us in a room, end quote. Homeschooled children do not have the same daily contact with mandatory reporters as children who attend school. And because of this, homeschooling offers abusive parents a way to isolate their children and thereby conceal and intensify their maltreatment. Uh, More than abuse and neglect, many parents are not often educated themselves and further should not be the sole source of information a child receives as a kid. So with all of that kind of like, huh, there's this positive side where it seems like Christian women maybe counterintuitively seem to actually have more self-confidence if they were homeschooled. Um, But then you also have these darker anecdotes of abuse. I'm just going to pose this question. Go wherever you want with it, Chris. Why do you think that so many evangelicals opt for home education? I think that, uh, I mean, the question kind of answers itself. Homeschooling provides the opportunity to control the information that is 
um, if not entirely accessed, it certainly provides the uh, ability to control the information that is um, given in the form of education. And that matters. That has a huge impact. If you want to make sure that your children don't get taught what you might consider heresy or dangerous or uh, unhealthy, then homeschooling gives you the ability to just... Homeschooling allows you to say, this is what my kid's um, history is going to be. This is what my kid's uh, teaching about the beginning of the world will be. This is what my kids teaching about what it means to be human will be. You can control all of it. You can begin exposing your child to um, your political preferences, not just at home, as any kid might get, but instead they're getting exposed to your political views, potentially in the form of their education. And that has, you, you, you very briefly touched on this earlier, has a lot of potential power. When a kid hears something, they may or may not believe it. But when a kid is taught something as part of their schooling, you know, and right before they learned that uh, two plus two is four, and then right afterwards they learned that Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, how are they supposed to, you know, learn and realize that maybe the things they're being taught they they there are some that may be fact and some may be opinion um so evangelicals have this really great tool at their disposal now that homeschooling in in the last few decades has become fairly accepted and is now legal there's an opportunity to control what your children are exposed to and if you believe that things like um, evolution are not just maybe incorrect, but are antithetical to your entire worldview, well, you can just keep your kid from being taught evolution and you can teach them creationism and only then, then expose them to uh, the theory of evolution through your own perspective. Um, if you think that uh, your child shouldn't be taught um that America is founded on white supremacist values, well, guess what? Um, you can teach your ch child instead that um, it was founded on Christian values, that it was uh, ordained by God, and that we should seek to move towards a government which more accurately reflects the teachings of the Bible. And you can teach that in your civics class to your child if you are homeschooling. You can't do that if you are uh, if your kid is public school. You can tell them these things, but it's not going to have the same effect when it's coming from just their parent and not their teachers. If the parent and teacher are the same people, the amount of impact that what you say to your kid, um, the, the amount of impact it has on your kid um, goes up dramatically. Um, so for me, I think if especially as you start to see evangelicalism uh, exhibiting um, cult uh, aspects, then homeschooling suddenly becomes a very attractive tool to evangelicalism. The more um, a evangelical uh, parent is a part of a more culty 
format of Christianity, the more they're going to find homeschooling attractive because it, it encourages and, and uh, it empowers their ability to uh, control and contain um, their family members and their, their children specifically. Control, contain, convert, baby. Got the branding in. I love it. Um, yeah, the one downfall no, I... is the convert side of things because homeschooling doesn't expose you to a lot of non-believers usually. So that part, which is which is incredible in its own right, because you're still taught when you're homeschooled that you need to learn the best creationist arguments, the best blah blah blah, under some guise of conversion in evangelical. Yeah, you got to be able to. You got to be able to argue people into heaven. Yeah, it's it's truly wild. And yeah, I think you're totally right that like, yeah, it it gives you you can uh the you know, opt for a way to neglect um education that will maybe be in tension with your worldview. And it's like, well, first off, proper education and I know again, we've mentioned this several times now, but public and private education have their own problems with this as well, especially in the US. But um you know, you you education requires more than just teaching opinion as fact. Like it actually requires being able to understand differing opinions and critically think about all of them. And I think evangelicals say, no, that's too scary because these evolutionists or these um these government education systems, these liberal education systems, these uh, you know, whatever, you know, they're afraid of in the public or private sector, whatever they're afraid of, what they're doing is they're saying, I don't even want my child to entertain that idea. I don't want them yes. to be con- convinced by that idea. Um, so I'm going to protect them. That's the worst word you could possibly use, especially when it seems that when you actually figure out what kids suffer the most abuse at home, they're kids who are not at school. Yeah. Well, and you, you bring up this idea of protecting your kid. Um, and it goes back to something we were talking about earlier, those kids that are going off the deep end and rebelling, um, maybe having a delayed teenage rebellion phase when they hit their uh, late teens or early 20s, are oftentimes kids that were quote unquote protected. You know, they were they were protected so heavily from the outside world that when they get out there and they discover what they've been isolated from, they may snap and get really angry and go, I'm rejecting everything because I I now feel as though I was denied access to all of these things. Um, and uh, I always found it kind of ironic, even even when I was um, still a homeschooler, I remember seeing it and being like, well, that's what happens when you uh, isolate your kid. And then, you know, I got older and then was like, well, looks like I was isolated, too, actually. I just didn't really realize it. Yeah. And that's the key, most key word in all of this. You know, I, I brought up earlier a lot of the positive aspects that a home education um, could give a child. But, you know isolation is not profitable for anyone um that you know it's not like we have a bunch of uh, children monks you know going into like some sort of spiritual isolation oh, can um, you imagine though uh i'm sure someone would try it i'm sure it's been tried in history um but i think what uh what's really important is to note that like 
it's not the education that's the problem. It's the isolation, the isolation from ideas, the isolation from people, the isolation from ways of education, the isolation from, you know, other adults. Um, yeah. You know, one of the most important aspects, I think, that, um, you know, in my research I found was just, you know, it's kind of an obvious statement, but I didn't really comprehend it that like children who go to public and private schools are a lot around a lot more mandatory reporters. So if they see yes. abuse, they have to report it. When you're at home, you're not around no mandatory reporter. In fact, you might be around the person abusing or neglecting you. And I have read horror story after horror story of just that kind of thing happening. Homeschooling is very much a popular tool for certain types of very abusive parents. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Bill Gothard and like the Institute for uh, Basic Life Principles. You know, I've read a lot about um, people in that particular strand of the homeschooling movement. Um, you know, and I was on the on the edge. I mean, I, when I, I had a, a homeschool graduation through my co-op and I was literally gifted a book by Bill Gothard by one of the homeschool families. Um, so, I mean, this was right, right there in my world, even if I wasn't raised in it directly, thankfully, um, that specific, uh, strand of teaching, um, and that brand of homeschooling is especially useful for abusive families, um, because it, it teaches this whole idea of, um, and almost like an umbrella concept, like an umbrella of authority, that a child is under the umbrella of their parents, the wife is under the umbrella of the husband, and the husband is under the umbrella of God. And that like chain of command, if you will, goes up to God, right? So as you mentioned, like disobeying your parent is disobeying God. And at the same time, those parents are being taught to physically abuse their children in order to break their spirit and force them to behave in a certain way and and conform to a certain uh, belief system. So if your kid is, uh, acting out or your kid is starting to, um, argue and then talk back, well, you teach them to conform, uh, physically, violently teach them to conform. Um, and then when they're older and they start to try to, you know, think for themselves, well, they've been taught not to do that. Um, they have been taught literally not to think for themselves and not to talk for themselves. They're instead told to conform. Um, that is a very particular type of abusive homeschooling that exists. And it's not the story for everyone or probably even most, but it is a very, very way more common story than I, I am comfortable with. Absolutely. And I certainly know new kids who grew up in this or, or under the Dr. Dobson philosophy, you know, the focus on the family oh. stuff, like, and all of it's like pretty much, yeah, the umbrella that you mentioned is a very helpful tool for understanding how dark things can get. Because imagine, you know, I, I don't know who's listening. Maybe you were homeschooled or maybe you were public schooled. But imagine that you're either like in class uh, as a child or maybe even at camp as a child or something like that. And, you know, you're having fun with your friends or whatever, but you're talking over the teacher. The teacher warns you a few times to stop talking. And then you, you know, you're a kid, so you neglect it. Okay, now imagine that that teacher pulls you aside, hits you, and then tells you that you were disobeying not only them, but disobeying God. All of us find that very problematic. But that's kind of what happens in the home education system. And you're like, well, it's their parents. I'm like, yeah, but it's also their educator. And when those lines get blurred, it can really 
blur how you understand your education and how you yes. understand your participation in your education. Um, and that can be really, really damaging later on and make people not trust themselves, um, make people, uh, you know, question sources uh, based on faulty um, lines of thinking, you know, questioning sources based on the premise, not the conclusion. Um, there's a lot of like really difficult things and, and, and yeah, so I, I would say the biggest problem with home education, especially in evangelical circles, tends to be neglect before it's abuse. I think there's a lot of um, neglecting to teach certain things. I think there's neglect to socialization. I think there's a lot of um, neglect in some of these quiverful type uh, environments you were saying where you have eight kids, but they're poor. Um, and so like they're just these horrible, um, you know, neglects that happen there. Um and yeah, I just think um, that overall, it's pretty tough. And, you know, I've actually heard like evangelicals kind of laughably try to like defend um, homeschooling as like biblical. Uh, so like I've heard um, scriptural arguments for home education that are based on uh, very false assumptions. Like one argument I've heard is that Jesus was homeschooled. Um, <laughs> and, and though it is true that all children, all children are home educated till around age five. I mean, not everyone thinks of it that way, but all kids are home educated till around age five. But there is no biblical or extra biblical evidence to support Jesus was taught exclusively by his parents. In fact, most scholars I've read actually seem to think Jesus was had at least some former formal uh, education at a synagogue school. Um, but regardless of all that, should we even care about pe how people used to be edu educated back in uh, Jesus's day? No, uh, no, no, literally. Why? Why should we, you know, these are, this is a period of time, like, if you, you, why should we look at the past and say, well, they did it like this, this is how they raised kids in, um, you know, 300 BC. So that's why we should do it now. This is how they raised kids in Jesus's day. You know, what, this is how they, you know, taught children in 1500. I don't care. You know, in 1500, they were burning people at the stake because they disagreed on how to have communion. And in, in Jesus's day, you know, like they were they were allowed to sell their kids into slavery. And in 300 BC, you know, people were the Spartans were deciding to just like expose some of the weaker children to the elements and let them die. I don't really look to the the past on how we should raise children because the past, especially when it comes to children, the, the past is basically just like one long train of thousands of years of child abuse. There's not really like children have been treated like garbage for most of history. Um, and we're learning how much of a, how much damage that does to children, uh, to people, um, and I think we can have a lot better of a society if we, you know, try to not damage children um, <laughs> the whole time they're being raised. So for me, looking at the past is a very silly way to like stand up for any form of, um, you know, homeschooling or education in general. Just like, okay, well, classical education worked really well for these people. Great. All right. Well, how can we have something based on classical education that works well in, uh, in a way that we know doesn't hurt or damage? Um, children um well homeschooling was great for this that and the other okay well great we'll figure out how to do that in a way that's not going to destroy that kid um 
I'm, I'm far less interested in what used to be done and far more interested in what we can study now and have da- used data to, to figure out what works and what doesn't. Preach, Chris, preach. I'm, I'm in full agreement with you that it's, it, it, you know, learning from the past is great. What's not great is literally repeating the past over and over. In fact, that's kind of the point of learning about the past is to not do that. Um, so, yeah, why can't we look forward? I mean, I know like public and private education systems are still very outdated. But um, even if home education was kind of the only education in like i don't know pioneer days like who cares what a don't be a pilgrim that's such a bad goal to try to (laughs) like uh emulate and i think um i think this is a lot of the like silly rhetoric um from uh evangelicals when it comes to homeschooling um is this idea that somehow you're holier than thou if uh if you homeschool and it's just frankly not true it's really interesting. Like anecdotally speaking, it, it feels like uh, both the Puritans and the pioneers, um, you know, like your your Pilgrim settlers and your Western settlers, are both like kind of idolized in the homeschool community. And I think partly because both uh, often were very involved in the home education, um, they were they were they were homeschooling their kids. And they're also considered cultural heroes um, by the people who um, homeschool their kids today. And I think that's kind of funny. I also think it's some of the only people you can find that actually did it the same way that evangelicals try to do. Um, I think like they're like, we got to look for some sort of role models. And sometimes the only role models they can find are Puritans to, who, who behave like they did. Um, when uh yeah a critical eye would not um see them in the same light uh you know i i've seen some scary consequences of improper education in both public private and and home education right um and there's never going to be a perfect type of education or even education taught like in a perfect type of you know method um but our education does impact us psychosocially um but it's not significantly affected by the location of our education. Um, you know, each ultimately, this is feels like a cop out, but it's true. Each child is different and will have different educational needs. Is the bottom line. Um, sure. All awkwardness aside, though, home education is probably not problematic as a practice. But all the problems I've ever had with homeschooling are problems I've had with Christianity. Um, yes. They have found a way to control, like you were saying, to have more control over people by either legally or illegally engaging in home education. So uh, here's the kicker. Should white evangelicals in general be permitted legally to educate their children given their track record? This feels like a trap. Uh, well, yeah, um, on a principled level, I would say yes. But if I were to go into more detail, I would say that it should be regulated more carefully. Um, I don't necessarily think that all homeschool students should be subjected to common core, uh, curriculum requirements. Um, I mean, a lot of people homeschool their kids specifically to escape the restrictive nature of the public school curriculums that they are dissatisfied with. And I think that's fine. Um, But I think that there should be um, some more stringent um, 
requirements. You know, I, on one hand, I'm just like disappointed with the amount of misinformation I was taught as fact, um, as a kid. On the other hand, I also, I, I literally knew a guy who was like 13 years old and he, he, he hadn't really even finished fourth grade. Um, so there, there are, there are people who are not getting the education they need, or at least weren't when I was in, when I was homeschooling. And I, I don't imagine that that's completely changed since then. Um, and even those who are actually academically really engaged and super involved, um, some of the smartest kids I know, um, some of the smartest kids I knew probably still believe, um, in six day creationism. And it's like, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to like cause a societal collapse or anything like that, but that kind of misinformation and that, 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 uh, mistrust of the scientific method is the exact kind of thing that leads to people refusing to take the COVID vaccine. Um, you know, those things like they have, uh, there's a domino effect that comes out of those things. You, you may look at something that I was taught as a kid and go, well, you know, you figured it out. Or even if you still believed that, like, you know, that was not going to affect your ability to live in society, but sometimes it does. Sometimes the things you were taught may not be exactly what messes you up now, but the same principles come into play and, and you start to, you know, you mistrust, uh, government programs and therefore you start to spread misinformation that confirms the biases you were taught as a kid. Um, you, you know, those kinds of things are, are a bigger concern for me. Absolutely. I think the most, uh, poignant point you just made is like, when faith is taught as fact, what ends up happening, and this can only really happen in a homeschooled environment. Yeah. It can also help happen in a private Christian schools environment for sure. Um, but the exact line of thinking, the what you're talking about, your perception, you how you learn all these things that might not seem um, connected on the surface are absolutely connected. When you think, well, this is what I believe about God precedes how I'm going to do the science experiment, how I'm going to read this history book, how I'm going to vote, how I'm going to do all these things, when that is the kind of brainwashing that does happen in white evangelical homes eventually you do have to ask the question wait how much of this is actually legal and um it 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 does actually you know sometimes it is borderline um there are a a good handful of laws about homeschooling in the u.s um but a lot of them have nothing to do with religious things because of our first amendment um fine okay yeah first amendment for the most part good thing um but where it gets kind of problematic is where we start to just permit an abusive structure and so that's why i pose the question that way because i don't have an easy answer to the question obviously i mean it's a complicated question um but if we're going to say okay children are allowed to be educated at home which we probably should if for no other reason to make sure we're not saying you have to be schooled uh, through our government. We don't want to ever get there because that is, uh, we don't want to turn the government into the biggest cult we can have. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But what we don't want to do is say, you can do whatever you want with your kid at home in regards to education. 
Um, cause what, what will end up happening is abuse and neglect. And just because it didn't happen to you when you were homeschooled does not mean it's not happening to literally thousands of kids right now. No, it happened to people I knew. Um, me too. And yeah. I think most homeschoolers, most honest homeschoolers can point out people they knew as kids, um, in their social circles who were abused or part of abusive, uh, religious groups, um, yeah, those those are not isolated incidents. It's 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 very common, if not the norm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe one last question to try to kind of tie all this up. Um, when you think about your home education experience, you know, you and I were joking on the phone either day preparing for this episode about how, like, you know, kind of with the joke that. Um, one of the things we were thankful for about being homeschooled is uh, we got to explore everything that was wrong. <laughs> um, so like, since we believed everything <laughs> that was wrong, we're able to critique it well now. Um, and that's kind of a joke and maybe not like a, uh, you know, smart thing to say when you really break it down. But, but at the end of the day, do you think like um, that education at home needs to be something that we're um that we're trying to spend more time refocusing on uh you know that christians should refocus on or should this be something we more say hey it's more stigmatized more say home education is its own cult because you know i i like to just stigmatize christianity and say get out and i think if you get out of christianity most of your homeschooling problems go away um but maybe i'm wrong on that do you think there's other ways to frame this conversation it's really complicated because there's so many moving parts. Um, on a when you talk about a cult, like yeah, get out, and then if you're still homeschooling, um, it's going to look different and maybe better. Um, but you know, homeschooling's issues on its own um, are different from uh, Christianity's issues or e- evangelicals. Uh, issues like those they're different um and where evangelicalism and homeschooling cross paths is where you get uh, and also i could say catholicism too that's it's pretty common um catholicism and uh, homeschooling can have some crossovers as well you get some very interesting hyper conservative catholics um in the homeschooled world um that's less my world but i have um read some interesting stories from people and uh, where where those things kind of connect, where where they uh, coincide, and you have you have your religion, uh, conservative religion, and homeschooling combined, like it's it's a recipe for uh, real culty stuff. So it's, it's a recipe for indoctrination and a recipe for um, potentially abusive behavior, um, because yeah, homeschooling is more or less nothing more than a tool. You know, you can use homeschooling to, you know teach your kid um critical thinking you can use homeschooling to educate your child while you know traveling the world you can there's a ton of different things you can use homeschooling for uh it's just unfortunate that a a large large portion i mean if if you look at the data it's not a majority but it is the largest group of people who homeschool do it for religious reasons um, and I, I actually did, I, I saw the 35, 36% um, statistic, but I also read a few places that in the United States specifically, the 
simple majority of homeschooled families do so for religious reasons. Um, that, um, if not their key reason, at least one of their re- reasons is, is right. religion. Yes. And when, when you, yeah, I was, I, I was going to chime in, I was going to chime in that it's almost always a, a fact it majority wise. It was a factor. Yes. I did not know a single non-Christian, uh, homeschool family. I knew a, a Mormon homeschooling family. Um, and that was the most different or out there, uh, in my world, there was every brand, <laughs> but, just, but just yeah. Anec- anecdotally, I just want to chime in and say, like, I actually knew several non-Christian homeschoolers growing up. Um, so it's totally a thing. It is a uh, thing. But I w- I, and it's actually really funny because you, sometimes you, I, I remember reading, uh, blog posts from some, uh, homeschoolers who homeschool like parents who are like, why the heck can't I find any good curriculum? Everything I find is conservative Christian curriculum. And that's an amazing point. Yeah. Yes. It was, it was like, I was reading the people, people who were writing a critique of the exact science curriculum that I used um, and going like, why am I learning about like, why is my kid being taught about hell um, in their biology book? You know, like I, we don't believe in this stuff. And, you know, but why, you know, we can't find anything like this is what we found. This was one of the best that we found. And, and, and now I'm being, I'm reading this stuff to my kid, like my kid's reading this, like, what is this about? Um, which I, 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 I thought that was weird then. And now I think it's really funny. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like that's what a problem, what a problem to have. Well, what a, doesn't that point to how this, uh, how, <laughs> sorry, I'm just, I'm going to get in my own brand here. Um, that shows you the power of the white evangelical cult because it's like, wait a second. So according to one stat, not even the majority, according to another stat, well, maybe the majority at least considered them. Uh, how much power they must have to, at an institutional level, be influencing curriculum in a way that is so much less regulated. Um, oh, yeah. That's a lot of power to wield. Yeah. Well, and it's not the focus of this conversation, but like, um, you know, we mentioned the Abeka curriculum uh, at the beginning of this uh, podcast, and that's not a homeschooling curriculum. It can be used for homeschooling, but it was actually designed for private schools. So that, you know, opens things up even further. You know, the, the evangelical cult uh, has influenced curriculums of so, so, so many students, not just homeschoolers, but also people who attend private Christian schools. Um, yeah, it, it, it goes really deep and it, it is incredibly powerful. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I remember being told that I think I think I was told it was like a Hitler quote as a kid, um, which now I'm like, what? why were you quoting Hitler at me? I think that's kind of a weird thing to do. But they were saying like, well, you know what Hitler said, like, give me control of the schools and I'll give you control and I have control of the culture or something like that. Right. Um, at no point did anybody try to point out like. Uh, that's exactly what we're doing. You know, they were saying like, this is why public schooling is bad. Public schooling is bad because giving government control of schools means that you'll end up just like the Nazis. Um, And at no point did anybody want to point out like, well, we're just trying to get control of education instead for the exact same reason. 
they really more, believe more than that we're trying to get control of education to uh to in order to make people think monolithically like that's yes. like even more eerie as it's like you know public schools teaching this whole evolution which by the way evolution is not a faith like it's not something like it's not a um no you know it's it's not a uh a there's many different kinds of evolutionists if that's the way you want to think about it you weirdo christians um there's like <laughs> there think of it as a lot of different denominations of evolutionists okay uh like literally it's like it's this wide expand it's this method of 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 evaluating the earth and evaluating species it is not a belief in the same way that your christianity is a belief and so it's much more eerie to be like, yeah, get control of the schools, you'll control the culture. And I really wish they would teach the Bible in school. And it's like, <laughs> wait a second. And My oh, they're not interpretation the of the Bible, no less. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a even crazier part. So yeah, I mean, you and I are getting all worked up about this now, but <laughs> but I do want to say, like, yes, they're they're it's a powerful thing. It, yeah, the numbers are staggering, um, and even beyond the numbers is just the principle of the thing. White evangelicals uh, use home education um, to control and to contain people to their ways of uh, of thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more with that thesis. Yeah. Well, isn't that depressing? Uh, Chris, <laughs> thanks How are you for, feeling, uh, John? <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little bummed out. Uh, you know, I've got my vodka next to me, so I think I'll be all right. Um, good, good. Yeah, that's healthy. Yeah, can't yeah. Think about, um, think, I, I think I've got some right here too. Uh, we'll uh, okay. We'll pour up middle Perfect. of the afternoon, little uh, <laughs> a little refresher after the oh. conversations. Before, before, I'll edit this out if you want me to, Chris. But before we started recording, Chris said, "Ready to talk about homeschooling gives you alcoholism." <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that, I think that was, I, I thought that was hilarious. You better keep that in. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I'm proud of a, that that's quote. A, <laughs> that's, the, that's the simplest point is don't homeschool your kids or they'll get alcoholism. Um, yeah, yeah, there's tons of scientific data behind that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's not anecdotal. Of, a lot of this was anecdotal, <laughs> so we'll just throw some more onto it. We'll just um, keep throwing anecdotes into this. <laughs> Chris, it's always have to, uh, fun to have you on. Last time you told people not to vote for garbage people. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Yeah, delete your social media. Um, just delete it. You won't regret it. That's that's my plug for today. I my plugs well, are instead of <laughs> instead of plugging things, I'm just giving people vaguely good advice. Um, and today's hot take: delete your social media. Just don't use it anymore. I, I haven't deleted my accounts yet, but I have deleted it from my phone over a year. Great thing. I recommend everybody does it. Social media is a trap. Wow. I love it. And now, uh, and now but, I'm going to start but, a cult. <laughs> so if you want to follow my Instagram, it's how it... No. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> I, I will say that, uh, well, first off, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i on all the social media. A lot of it's for, um, you know, promoting this stupid podcast. But um, what I will say for those of you who are like, ah, Chris is a radical. I don't want to delete uh, my social media. I have timers on my apps. Like, seriously. Like, yeah, I have that. a one hour... I have a one hour timer on Instagram and a two hour on Facebook. Um and uh, I rarely ever use the full time just because I know yeah. I have those timers on it. Um, it will change and... your life. Getting rid of getting it... rid of that like time eating 
um, even if it's just like limiting your time, uh, it, it will it will give you so much more time to do other things and discover things that you care about. Awesome. Great. Well, again, it was great to have you on, Chris. I'm sure I'll have you back on. And thank you, listener, for stopping by. If you wish to learn more about what's going on in my life or wish to purchase my book, go to vernerbooks.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, please continue to listen, follow, share, and consider supporting through the link in the show's notes. For as little as 99 cents a month, you can help me book guests, upgrade my production value, and start exciting projects. Thank you for listening, and remember to keep love in your life, hope in your heart, and searching in your soul.